Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is December 4th, 2022. Time is 7.04 p.m. And joining me as always is Al, Big Daddy Prep. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm better, Jester. I'm amongst the living. I didn't think I was going to be here this week, but uh, the flu did not get me. So I am, I'm, I'm, I'm still here, still alive, ready to go. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear you kicked the flu in the ass. That is good to hear. And guys... <laughs> Uh, tonight's topic is leadership in the apocalypse, and we have a special guest to come in to talk to us about apocalypse leadership, and that is the local prepper. What's up, local prepper? How you doing? Just another day, my friend. I'm doing super. How about you? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing great. We don't get to have a third person into the show all that often, so I always get really excited for these. So I think maybe we should start with why we pulled you in for this, your background in leadership, if you want to give the listeners a little bit of that. My background is actually pretty simple. I, uh, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps, uh, most of the time uh, as, a, as some form of infantryman in different uh, military occupational specialties. Um, spent a lot of time, you know, finding, leading, recruiting, uh, <laughs> interfacing with young men and women who, who uh, needed guidance in their lives. And uh, I just happened to, be, happened to be in an occupational field that allowed me to do that. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, I did that for about uh, 20 years. Uh, and then um, after that, I went into uh, government contracting with the Department of Defense and and then actually ended up doing a lot of like, uh, uh, I wouldn't say counseling, but I would say guidance for uh, Marines that uh, were exiting service and, uh, you know, basically guys with PTSD and, and things of that nature. Uh, you know, it also doesn't doesn't hurt that I've got uh, six kids and 15 grandchildren. So I know a little bit about the human spirit. I had no idea uh, you had six kids and all the those grandchildren. I don't know how you keep up with that. Wow. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember any of their names. Jeez. Well, first of all, I'd like to I'd like to say to you, thank you for your service to the country, because some of my best friends and friends that I've dealt with my entire life have been Marines. So believe me you're amongst a friend here i love the marines that's where i would have gone if i'd gone to military myself um also on top of that let me say this having six kids you you need an award for that too all on your own i i give you that much so thank you for your service and thank you for raising six kids and that's a big thing nowadays cool yes absolutely so <laughs> So Al and I have spoke before on the show about like selecting people within your circle and um, what kind of people you'd want to have around you in a shit hits the fan apocalyptic situation. 
Now, one thing that it never presented to me was having that strong leadership capability. I mean, it's there in the back of the in the back of my mind, but I know that I'm going to be in charge of my group at my house if shit really breaks bad. But local prepper, what what qualities would you look for in selecting a leader and like how would what would the vetting process like that? What would that look like? As far as looking for somebody who's a who's a leader, you know, leaders have most leaders have common traits. Uh, they normally have a, a higher than average intelligence. They normally have very uh, strong self-confidence. Uh, they are determined people. Uh, they have integrity, which I always believe is, is the highest level. Uh, and uh, they have social skills. They're, they, they're social, they're, they have a social, social ability rating, but uh, they, are, they have very good interpersonal skills, even if they're practice, which is what I had to do because I was not a very social person coming up through the military. Um, you know, and then what, what was the other half of what you were talking about? I was, uh, wanting to know about the vetting process. Like how would you vet somebody for a leadership position? Because this isn't like, you know, going to be the manager at Walmart. This is a lawless society where there's no rules, there's no regulation and shit's breaking bad all around you. I gotcha. Well, I mean, you, you would really have to look at, uh, the person as a whole. You, you can never truly know somebody. Um, no matter how long you work with them. But, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about apocalyptic type stuff, you really just have to, uh, I would say the first step in the vetting process is put the guy to work and see if he'll, if he'll do what he, you've asked him to do. Because if he's not willing to follow, then he's definitely not willing to lead. And if you do put him in a position of leadership, he will fail you. He will cause more problems than he's worth. I 100% agree with that because I spent – not two decades working in the prison system. And as I rose through the ranks, those that were the best supervisors, those were the best leaders were the best followers too. In the beginning, they had to be willing to cut their teeth at the bottom to get to the top. A lot of people that made it to the top that didn't cut their teeth the right way. When they got there, they didn't respect the position. They didn't respect the people that were under them. There's a certain amount of, um, I don't know, relationship that you have to have with those that are on your subordinates if you're going to be a supervisor or in any kind of leadership type position. You know, and, and on, to, to caveat on what Al just said, you know, he, he worked in the prison system, so he'll, he knows this to be true. You know, it's a, it, it, if you're talking about, you know, apocalyptic type stuff, you really would be operating in a very similar environment. Uh, that we find in our prison systems. And the other side of what Al was talking about uh, is that those people underneath that 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 inexperienced or unrespected leader, they would never follow him. They would probably do everything in their power to get rid of him. 100% true. You know, and that's a whole other side of, of this, you know, having somebody in the leadership position that not everybody's trying to kill off, too. That was something I didn't even think about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, unfortunately, there, there, there are some scrupulous people in the world. And, you know, it's, uh, I've unfortunately had to deal with a few of them. But, um, you know, the, these people that, that don't have uh, their, their moral values, and they never learned what ethics were. They never, and their moral values are so askew from what's acceptable in a, in a uh, society of, of uh, people who just want to be free and not be taken advantage of, you know. They, at every moment of their life, are constantly trying to figure out how they can get something from you 
that is not theirs. That's just the way their minds work. So, you know, put, putting somebody into a leadership position like that, uh, he's probably 90, 95% fail. You know, they always said that uh, 90% of the problems are caused by 10%, and 10% of the people cause 90% of the problems. And it's, it's, it's usually the truth. I mean, most people want to do the right thing, but there's always that certain percentage of people that don't. They're going to be a constant problem. They're going to bring down all the problems to you. <laughs> it's oh, a yeah. fact. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, when, when I was coming up in the Marine Corps in the very beginning, I, I, I talked to some of my senior leadership. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, back in those days, it was pretty much just shut up and get your work done. Uh, but from time to time, you'd have conversations with some of these guys that had been around. And, uh, you know, one of, one of them was one of my very first platoon sergeants. And he, he told me that, you know, basically, you know, because we always had our dirt bags. But, uh, you know, he, he called it 10-80-10, and I, I've kind of stuck to that uh, through, through my, my time in the military. I think society is very similar to it. Uh, and his, vis his idea was that basically in society, wherever you go, you're going to have 10% of the people that are going to be these stellar performers. They're going to get the job done all the time. They're going to be dependable and loyal people. And then you're going to have 80% of the people that just want to, to get along to go along, and they just want to have happy lives and not really have lots of responsibility. And then you're going to have that bottom 10%. With the, these are going to be the people that, that uh, will try and take everything from you anytime they can. They'll take advantage of you. Uh, they, they're the kind of people that you don't trust to you know, go through, your, through somebody's pocketbook or, or even to, to even help you at, and on a remote task. So 108010 has always worked for me. Gotcha. Very good to know. Very interesting. And, you know, I had – I have always had this picture in my mind. It's – the wolf of the group is going to be the one that takes over the wolf or the sheepdog. You're going to have this two, two kinds of leadership. One guy that's the sheep or the sheepdog that wants to watch over the sheep, take care of them, make sure nothing bad happens to them. And then I feel you're going to have people in these apocalyptic leadership that are going to be these wolves that are going to come in there. They're going to rise to the top and it's not, they're not going to give a shit about anybody else. And they're going to step on everybody to maintain and keep that position and I would think in, in, in certain circumstances, that would be good because you're going to do what needs to be done for the greater good. However, at the same time, when you're talking apocalyptic situations, when you're talking rationing food, rationing ammo, you know, being fair about issuing out the security details and just all these extra things that need to be done, I feel like a lot of people are going to break and they're going to put poor people into these leadership positions. Hey Preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Yeah, I mean, that that's possible. That's possible, you know. Um... The uh, when 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 I think about um, when I think about uh, someone who may be placed into a leadership position, not somebody who's like the head of a household, you know, uh, and some of it can apply, uh, but you know, there's um, there's a couple of different types of, of leadership that that psychologists have have uh, they they like to define things for us, you know, uh, but uh, it's very very human and. You know, one of the things one of the things that I that I look at is that, 
you know, if you watch any one of these TV shows about the end of the world, somebody who's in charge and whether they're good or they're bad, you know, I mean, um, and, and I hate to say it, but it, right up there with the, uh, what was it, uh, The Walking Dead, you had two different completely polar opposite types of leaderships. You had the, what was it, old Rick Grimes, you know, and he was the guy, he didn't want to be the leader. He was just trying to do the right thing. And the people basically said, hey, this guy's got his stuff together. We're just going to follow him. And then later on in the series, you got uh, what's what's the guy with it with the uh, the baseball bat with the, with the ball wire on it? You know, I've never watched The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I watched neither it. Have I. Anyway, <laughs> neither so, have I. So, someone who's listened to this is going to know what I'm talking about. And they run into him in like season 1000 or whatever. This thing went on for like 12, 13, 14, 15 years. But anyway, um, so and he was the leader that everybody followed. Uh, uh, that uh, these were like scavengers. These were like the people that you're talking about, okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, he didn't have any problem with putting people, people they'd find on there. Matter of fact, what he would do was he would, uh, he would, uh, they would find a group of people and they would bring them all in and scare the hell out of them, put them on their knees and, and, and it's like, what are you going to die today? And he would purposely bash one of their brains in so that the other four that they found knew that he was serious. You know, uh, and uh, unfortunately, leaders like that don't exist. They they only exist. They only continue to uh, to maintain their position, which is actually their goal uh, um, by not threat of violence, but violence. Uh, and the only people that will follow them are the people who like to live in a violent world. Everybody else will flee from this person. Um, and then the the other one, uh, like the old Rick Grimes, the good guy. Uh, you know, he he's what I would classify as like holding my coat fingers up the commander that, you know, he's hard, but he's fair. Uh, and uh, he's expected to lead by example. He's expected to make all the difficult decisions. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, he, he does what they call transactional leadership. You know, he sets goals. He defines expectations. Um, and uh, and and uh, it's it's done with what they call contingent reward systems, where he's going to reward effort, and it could be anything, just a pat on the shoulder, you know. He's going to recognize good performance, uh, and then uh, you know, unfortunately, the other half of his job is to uh, do what they call management by expectation, um, and uh, or I'm sorry, management by ex exception. I got a little cross verbiage there, uh, but uh, you know, his job is to maintain the status quo uh, and basically keep people in line. Um, and he will only intervene when a subordinate does not meet expectations. And that means initiating negative feedback uh, and a corrective act, which, you know, obviously is punishment to improve that performance. So you're going to find you're going to find that it's like there's there's always going to be the, uh, you know, the good leader who, who can lead lots of people that can that's going to get people through things. And then you're going to find that, that bad leader who's mostly just uh, a narcissist more than anything else. And he is going to lead people through things. And he, he could very well be very uh, successful in his position as a leader. But it's likely through violence and intimidation. And the good people will flee and the bad people will stay. And those bad people will stay around him as long as they can because there's the possibility that something that they want in life is being fed versus trying to be a good person, which is, you know, the end goal of survival. <laughs> Nobody, I don't think anybody ever said I wanted to survive the apocalypse by being a really bad, bad person. You know, I, I do have to say there are probably people out there with that mentality. I've, I've ran into 
some people that said, you know, I want to be this big scary guy during the apocalypse because no one will mess with me and no one will get out of line. And I've, I've had this conversation with people before. And, I, and I've told these people, I was like, you realize that's just going to make everybody turn against you, right? Like, there's nothing protecting you at that point. There's You can't call 911. There's no police. You're as good as dead if you start pissing off whatever community you're involved with. Some of the scariest people I ever met in the prison system, working in the prison system over them 20 years, were the people that were the most... You, you look at them, you go, hey, what's he running? He's not running anything but his mouth. They probably take his commissary night. Oh, it was a little old guy. He wasn't maybe... Five foot two, maybe 135 pounds. We used to call him murder man because he had stabbed, I don't know how many people in the time that he had been in prison. And you didn't take anything from him and he didn't take anything from anybody walking on two feet. And that's the kind of guy right there that they feared what he would do. And he had shown them in the past, but that's, you know, that's not the kind of leadership skills that you're looking for. But yeah, fear and intimidation does work to some extent, but it doesn't work for very long. But um, I was the kind of leader that didn't lead because I wanted to. I really didn't want to get to a, a leadership position when I came to work in the prison system. I really wanted to just have a job. I didn't really want to go up the ladder. But as I went up the ladder a little bit further, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. Oh, this is so bad. And then I kind of got shoved into it. That's where I was for years. So, um yeah, there's a lot of people who are going to be reluctant leaders out there that just find out that, yeah, I'm going to have to do something. Somebody's got to do something here. Somebody's got to lead these people. And uh, that's a scary proposition, too, because if you have no skills doing this, even if you might be good at it, you don't know you're good at it. Uh, it's kind of like walking down on a limb and sawing off behind you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most, most, um, most apprehensive leaders, like people who just, Hey, that guy, that guy's got his stuff together. We're going to follow him. And now people, he, he, that person will sense that other people are going to be depending on him uh, for something, for anything. It could be anything in life, really. Uh, but, uh, you know, now this apprehensive leader, he's going to be that person that's in the beginning. He's going to be just putting out all sorts of fires until, you know, until he figures out the lay of the land, uh, the way things work, you know, uh, and then at that point. They, they might just say, hey, guys, listen, this is too much. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to breathe here and and, and I can't take this anymore. You know, so it, it is very situational. Well, I think one good thing that's going to make leadership make a good leader in these apocalyptic scenarios is a knowledgeable leader. Someone who has the power to do things, they're going to want to follow this guy and they're going to want to keep him alive based on the knowledge that he possesses. So again, being this big, scary, bad guy that's keeping everybody in line, I don't think is going to work. I think it's going to be that guy that knows everything, that could teach people, and has that valuable knowledge that's keeping everybody alive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it does to an extent, but extent, uh, and but you know, that's that's kind of skills. You know, there's there's a thing called situational leadership, and it's it's based on uh, competence level versus motivation level. You know. Um, there's a lot to be said uh, for um, people that uh, that are motivated, that have high levels of confidence and willingness to get a task done. You know, uh, a, a, a very quick story. Uh, 29 Palms, California, combined arm exercise. Um, Marines are down there on the ground uh, waiting to, to be signaled to move because machine gun fire is covering the targets for them. This is this is basic military doctrine. So. In order to get them to shift fire, so that to say to the right, 
so that the Marines can move it up on the left, there's got to be some kind of signal. Well, the platoon sergeant was doing his job that day, and I watched this young staff sergeant pick up the flag and start running right towards the edge of the bullets with this giant flag. And the machine gunners on Machine Gunner Hill saw this and immediately started shifting their fire, their fire to the right, right in front of that, that guy. So that, and everybody else saw that, so they started moving behind him. Now, why do I bring this story up? It's simple. People will follow those that are motivated, confident, and have the willingness to accomplish a task or mission. They will not follow people that want to sit in a chair and be a king and say, kiss my ring. So motivational level is always stronger in leaders than, than actual competence is because competence is based off of skill. You know, um, we, we always hear about uh, like you're going to build your mag and what are you looking for? Well, we want to find a doctor. We want to find a guy who's good at security. We want to find a guy who, who knows how to cook and can and another guy who's a carpenter. You know, these are all these skills that we hear about all the time, you know, but no one ever says we want to find a guy who really knows how to lead people. And that's because everything is skill based and not motivational based. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. I never, I never once thought like, as I'm building my circle, Hey, I need a leader. That that's not something that goes through my head. And I always see these people online though, that are, they're always kind of saying, Hey, where can I hook up with other preppers? And you know, where do I go online to find like-minded people in my area who are doing this? And I don't, they're not admitting it in the moment, but I wonder if that's why I wonder if they're looking for that sense of leadership. Well, I, I believe that they are. I believe that they are. Um, but I also believe that they're they're scared of that because the, there's the stereotype of, you know, OPSEC and people knowing where your stuff is and, you know, things like that. But what what they and they are looking for a community, you know, what they're really looking for is they're looking for the the five other fam families that are they're in their cul-de-sac to think exactly the way that they do. And that just doesn't happen. Makes a lot of sense. Al, are you still with us? You've been kind of quiet for yeah, a while. I, okay. Well, I was just, I was, I was just fixing to say when he said the five other families in their cul-de-sac to think the same way. I'm, I am blessed. I live here in Arkansas, where a lot of people here are preppers and have a prepper mindset. And no, not all of us in the same cul-de-sac think the same way, but there is a very similar mindset in this general area that I live in. But my God, after I get to talking to other preppers in other areas and they tell me how they live in an area that's got many liberal leaning people in that area and stuff, I'm like, my gosh, you, you'd like to belong to a community. I know. And I mean, we kind of do here. A lot of us get along. A lot of us think the same way around where I'm at. I'm blessed like that. But you're right. It's, it's hard to find a group of people. And I think there's a lot of people that are looking to be led. They're not looking to lead themselves. They're looking to like, show me where to go. And yeah, it's people are looking for something to fall behind, you know. How's that whole thing go? Uh, run it up the flagpole and see if anybody salutes it. It's that kind of thing. They want somebody that they can follow instead of actually going out and maybe having to lead themselves. Well, you know, it's 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 difficult to to do anything in a community because, you know, like I said, people some people are scared, but you know, the other side of that too is a lot of people are assuming that they have to lead themselves through these situations. And which is rightfully so. Like you said, you you know, you, you plan on being the, the, you know, the head honcho if, you know, something goes down in your family. You know, that's that's kind of your job, you know. Um, but 
we we never think outside of that. We never think about like, okay, so what's what's outside of me, and and how can I be friends with this other family? You know, um, that's you know, I've been trying to build that for a couple of years now, and and some of it's working, but for the most part, it's still very scattered. Um, and then and then hell, just finding other other groups in your area. You know, I've I've got to drive. Jesus, I want to say at least. An, an hour south to get anything close to a group uh, and maybe three hours north to find anything, anybody even interested in the idea of a mag, you know, um, it's a, it's, it's getting, it, it's, it's a little tricky. I mean, it's not impossible, but I think it's all about how much, how much you put yourself out there uh, in, in order to, to find people, you know, and then at that point, you know, decisions have to be made and you may not like how those, how those those you know pan out? You might, you might, you might start your own mag, and then you know you fall for the the whole let's make it a democracy thing, and next thing you know, you know you've been voted down to nothing, <laughs> and and they've got you on guard for the you know the foreseeable future, and that's not where you envisioned yourself. You know, let's. There is one thing I want to bring up. Quick story for you uh, about putting yourself out there. There are a good bit of preppers in my area, and I'm starting to discover more and more. And I don't really put out there what I'm doing. They start talking to me about prepper stuff, and I'm just like, "Yeah, sure, that's cool, man. That's that's cool that you do that. Like, I don't do that, but it's cool you do. I just kind of play stupid." But there, there is a gentleman in my area that is actively trying to recruit people. And he's, I mean, he's putting it out there on social media. He's sharing it. He's sharing what he's doing with everybody. And I mean, literally strangers on the street, he's trying to bring in and pull in. Um, and of course he, he wants to be that leader guy. He wants to be top dog in this, in this role. And he's, he's somebody I would never mess with just for the idea that you're putting too much out there. You're not keeping, you're not maintaining OPSEC. You're not keeping anything quiet. You're actively going out and telling strangers about this. So that, as far as being a leader and putting yourself out there, I mean, this this has bad juju written all over it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think the, the – and you can only make assumptions, but I think the first question would be is why is he doing it? That, that would be the first question because, like I said, you know, with the uh, – with the different types of leaders, normally the bad ones, they're, they're basically narcissists. They, they want everything. Everything for a narcissist is about them, and they will do anything in their power to surround them with people that make everything about them. You see what I'm saying? So, it's, uh, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd probably stay away from the guy. <laughs> oh, no, abs- absolutely, and I, and I did pick that, pick that up a lot when uh, these conversations were being had. I mean, not only am I a stranger that he doesn't know, but there was a lot of like me, 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 I, 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 me, me, me with it yeah. within the conversation. I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay away from this one. The hot air bags, you know, they, they kind of, it's always about them and they're always talking about something. And if you've got something, they've got three of it. And they, I, those kind of people, I know, I know you're talking about, and we, we have people like that local area right here too. So you have to kind of watch those people. You can't align yourself with them. Matter of fact, I don't even like to associate with them. I like to disassociate myself with them, but, uh, I we don't advertise that we're preppers or anything like that, or we we don't advertise that we we know it. But the com- the community of people that we have around here, we talk amongst ourselves. But 
there's a lot of OPSEC too amongst ourselves here, here too. But if something was to bad happen, yeah, we'd be able to help each other. What would be big red flags to say, not this guy? Most most leaders don't really talk about what they've done or what, what they're capable of. They're, they're normally humble people. When somebody starts coming in telling you about, I've done this and I've done that and, you know, um, uh, I believe this, and, and they're kind of treating it like a job interview. Ah, that's 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 kind of a that's kind of a red flag uh, in the in this particular scenario because you, you're there. They have to be a leader is selfless, you know. Um, there, there's a guy out there. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think his name is uh, Simon Sinek. If you ever had a chance to listen to him on YouTube, incredibly intelligent. Spent a lot of time analyzing the special forces and spending time with them and trying to figure out what made them made up click. Okay. Uh, he wrote a book that's got a title in it called leaders eat last. No, I don't have a kickback. I'm just telling you, it's a good source of information for leadership. Um, it's something you learn in the military up front. You know, when, when the chow you're out in the field, right. And you're, you've been doing whatever you're doing and the chow truck shows up and the, the cooks get everything set up. The very first people that go to the front of that line, are the privates, the guys, the lowest rank. And then they go right up through that length. They get in line just like that, E1, E2, E3, all the way from the bottom, all the way to the top. All the uh, all the NCOs and staff NCOs, they're moving towards the back of the line. And you're talking a company of about 160 Marines. you know. And then at the very end of that, there's the platoon commanders and the company commanders. And the company commander is going to eat last. And you know what? If they didn't bring enough chow, those guys don't eat. And the reason is, is because they expect these guys to do their jobs, but they expect to be, they expect to be treated with respect and be given the tools that, that, uh, that they need to perform those jobs, right? Uh, and one of those is food and energy, you know what I'm saying? And it's, if you think about it, it's kind of like the exact opposite. You know, if you go back to the days of the days of of uh, of ancient, not even old, but ancient, where, you know, the king has the king comes to the battlefield and he's got his giant tent and shiny armor and all these squires running all over the place, helping him out and a bathtub and a desk, you know. Um, and but you've got this private who just killed 75, 80 guys with his bare hands and you're reading better than he does. That's humility. I would just focus on, you know, if, if, if you're vetting somebody to be a leader in, in an apocalyptic situation, that would take a, a very hard look and do as much background because someone might know him from the town. If he's just some rogue who came in and, and he just happens to, you know, by the, he's got a rifle and he's got this and he looks fit and strong and smart and, and he speaks intelligent, that doesn't mean anything. Put him to work. Put him to work cleaning the shitters. You know what I'm saying? Put him to work building fences. Put him to work chopping wood and let him do that and watch him and then think about putting him in a leader, leadership position. Hey, preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com. D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com.
Right. That that in itself makes a lot of sense. And I mean, so I one thing I've learned, and I, w- I wasn't in the military, uh, was in a paramilitary academy, but not in the military. But some of the best bosses I had just in, in the private sector would work right beside you. Like it was really interesting when I'd be working on a job and I had, you know, the owner of the company come out and swing a sledgehammer next to me knowing that they had a bunch of peons to do that for them, but they still came out and participated. It was a rarity we didn't see often, but it did make for great leadership, right? To see the bosses coming out and working just as hard as you are. Um, so oh, that, yeah. Yeah, so that would be something I would be looking for within within a uh, leader is, you know, who's going to get down and dirty with us? Who's going to be out here, like you said, you know, scrubbing the toilets, et cetera? Who's that guy going to be? You know, that's what I'd be looking for. Yeah. I agree with you. You know, yeah. one of the worst things you could ever do in the prison system was to actually feed chow. And chow was one of my favorite things to do. And it was one of the dirtiest, nastiest jobs you'd ever have. But I always would take the new the new officers that worked for me and those that were new to my shift and stuff. And I would go down, I'd feed chow with them. Right? None of the other captains feed chow. Why do you? I said, because I want you to do it right. And if you watch me do it right, then you'll do it right. And then when I come here every day, I'll see you do it right. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did, you know. Yeah, that's 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 leadership by example that actually follows something called pesos. Prepare, explain, show, observe, supervise. You know, it's it's the it's the basis for all all educational leadership. I was doing something right. I just didn't know how I was doing it. (laughs) Doesn't matter. That's the magical thing. Listen, man, this all comes back down to human nature. You know, if you're looking somebody dead in the eye, you can you can look at them. And you can tell not if they're a bad person or not if they're going to be a good leader, but if they're if, if they're shifty, if they're if they're questionable, if 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 they have a problem, you know, you're we pick up on these things. We don't have to be trained body body language analysts. You know what I'm saying? Where human beings can pick up on these things. I mean, unless the guy's a professional liar, which I'm sure you saw a, th- a thousand of those, Al. But, um, oh, yes. oh, you yeah. know, I mean. And like I said, it's not like they're not all. I mean, unless you take all the professional liars and put them in a place called a prison, you're not going to see a professional liar very often. <laughs> oh, and, and, and to be honest with you, when you can gain the respect of those that are incarcerated as lo- and those that work for you that are there, you've, you've done something. And I, I like to pride myself on that, that I learned people and I learned to command people well enough that what I was doing, that I could do both, both sides of the fence. So I, I, I was all right there, but, but you know, I, this, this, I didn't come from a military background. So let me ask you just a question real quick. When you're in the military, I know to a certain degree, they, they want to breed leaders. They want leaders. Do they, do they, take you through a uh, certain training where they kind of call those that, that are natural leaders from others, or, or is that something where you just kind of gravitate towards it? I, I never really understood that part, how they get the leadership that they pick out of the ranks. Yeah. Well, you know, it, things change all the time. You know, I catch myself all the time saying the old core and then remember that the guys that came from me from before me said the old core and you don't know what you're talking about, son, and stuff like that, you know. There's always going to be that, but the, do they have a process? They have an educational process uh, that, it, that is actually more focused on maintaining the institution than training leaders. Um, most of the leaders in the Marine Corps that, that are good leaders, because they're all leaders, you know, um, once you become, uh, you know, a non-commissioned officer, 
which is an E4 above in the Marine Corps, um, then you are expected to lead. No question. The the, uh, the guardrails are off. You, you're going to be put in a position of leadership and you're going to either do good or you're going to do bad. Now, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people in the Marine Corps. So it's not like, well, we'll just you're not that great, man. So we're going to put you over here. You know, um, that that that's a rarity. And you're going to basically be in in a position where you either learn how to do this right or you, your life is going to suck because no one's going to like you and you're uh, no one's going to listen to you, which is what's more important. Um, the the leadership process in the Marine Corps is more based more based on the leaders that are above you who take you under their wing and give you, you know, like like I was talking about before, you know, they 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 actually it's um, they give you uh, they set the rules, you know, they 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 give you those responsibilities, uh, and they um, they're very specific in the tasks that they give you, okay, uh, and so that they can set clear goals. Uh, and they define those expectations and then they follow up later to see if it was done to their standard. Um, you know, unfortunately, I wish that there was, you know, I went through I went through uh, several staff academies that were supposed to teach me how to be a good leader in the Marine Corps. But honestly, they didn't change me one little bit. They just taught me more about how the institution is ran more than anything else. Sorry if I let you down on that one. No, no, I, I got what I wanted out of it. I, I wasn't sure. I didn't have an understanding for that, but I do now. Yeah, I, I got kind of lost there uh, in the in the ether of that conversation. So I did pick up the tail end of it, though, saying uh, you broke the system. Was that what you stated? <laughs> no, no, I, did, I didn't break the system. Uh, I, I think the easiest way to say it is, is that they have lots of educational programs that they'll tag the word leader or leadership on. Uh, but uh, it's the it's the Marines that are above you that uh, that that bring you into the fold and uh, and and set clear goals and and define expectations for you so that you can do the same thing for those Marines that are, that are below you. And then obviously supervise. Well, Prepper, if you want to go ahead and plug your stuff so our listeners know where to find you, how to get a hold of you, things like that. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, if you're if you're looking for us or, or, or me or or the group itself, it actually is a community. Uh, you can find it in two different places, but the best place to go is just to go to localprepper.net. Uh, and right on that front page, you can scroll through all the different platforms that we're on. We we pretty much live out on uh, the the Discord platform. Uh, and uh, like I said, scroll down there, take five minutes, take a minute to create a profile, join the community, get get get, and you'll get most of the information that we're passing out on that. Gotcha. Very, very cool. And Al, do you want to go ahead and plug your stuff before we're out of here? Yeah, you can find me now pretty much exclusively. Anything I'm going to do from now on is going to be on Clapper. I'm I'm getting off the TikTok. So uh, big underscore daddy underscore prep. And basically the Big Daddy Al podcast for uh, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time and Sunday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we'll be going to a video format for all, but we'll talk about that later on. Very, very cool. So with the last few minutes we got left here, guys, um, I did want to get, you know, both thoughts on this before we're out of here. And I mean, it's kind of the theme of the whole show tonight, this whole apocalyptic leadership. Um, do you guys have your own leaders? Did you get, do you, are you your own leaders? What, what is your plan in the apocalypse? 
Can't tell you. That's OPSEC. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, r- right now it's it's right now it's just me and the girlfriend and the family. You know, we do have a plan. Um, no one is actually a defined leader uh, in that plan, uh, but uh, uh, I have a feeling that someone will, will will take over pretty quickly. Well, everybody else pickers. I. I bet that guy is local prepper. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I would be glad not to be the leader. I would be glad not to be, but if need be, I would be. But uh, I'd like to pass it down to a younger generation one day because, you know, I'm not exactly a spring chicken anymore, and I'd like somebody younger that I could teach. So I got one I'm working on. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Al, I, I'm with you, Al. I think that everybody at some, every every man at some point deserves two things: a rocking chair and a rocket launcher. You're right. Nice. I agree with you, hundred percent. So, guys, I got one more thing I want to say before we end this, and thoughts on it. I kind of feel that in most circumstances, the alphas are just going to take over. Yeah, I think I think they will. Or, or even worse, what'll happen is is somebody who is pretending to be an alpha will take over, and then people will slowly figure out that they're just not a great person. Gotcha. And on that note, guys, we're out of here. We will see you on next week's episode. is an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.